Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Steven, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're joined by two special guests. First, we have David, who we've had on quite a bit this season as a friend of the show. Thanks for having me back. And we're also joined by Teresa from Jedi News. Hey, guys. It's been a while. I see you've replaced me with David. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. We're trying to get everybody on. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Good to have you guys. That's what they told the me again. when. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they they pulled me on and they had a ringer and they wanted to get rid of some girl named Teresa and so, I guess now they're going to have us head to head. Bring it on, David. We're supposed to say that. Oh, yeah, sorry. You, uh, it's okay. Yeah. We'll deal with that later. I guess the secret's out. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. uh, hope you're all Thank doing you, well. It's yes. uh, we're back after uh, I think we, we took about a week or two off due to three. Actually, I think we've recorded since Christmas due to uh, yeah. various uh, trips and uh, I think Stephen, you moved, yeah, and uh, and all sorts of stuff. So we're back and we're ready to talk more about the Force Awakens. Well, do you want to kind of jump in here really quick and mention that we were actually on the front page of iTunes? Yes, yes, cool. we were. We were on the on the front page, featured alongside a number of our fellow podcasters, uh, which was great. I think Teresa's yours was part of that as well, right? Was it? Yeah, I have no I got, idea. I, I got a, <laughs> a, a bunch of the breaking news. Yeah, what happened? Was... <laughs> I'm, I'm going there right now. Um, we are featured. so iTunes had are a... we still featured? It's actually it's actually still there, guys. Really? I'm oh, looking nice. at it right now. Nice. Oh my god! Uh, I just opened so up it, iTunes. It was like and it's got like a Star Wars section, right? Yeah. If you go to the podcast under iTunes, okay, I'm working on it. Down, and you'll see four Star Wars fans, and we are featured the Ion Cannon Star Wars Entertainment Podcast, and then right in front of it is the Star Wars Report, Star Wars Bookworms. Oh my god! Yeah. They yep. know that makes me right so happy. Oh, I need to tell Aaron. He's going to die. And, and by the way, uh, Fangirls Going Rogue is also there, too. Yeah. Yes! Yes. Uh, pretty, much, pretty much yeah, all, the big, indip- all the big Star Wars podcasts are there. No, but yeah. you know what's great about that is that it's independent Fangirls Going Rogue. Yes. Yes! Nice. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <To> <laughs> I'm super cool. happy right now. Day made. Day yeah. made. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, uh, I was I think, so shocked. I think they have it feed the, the, our, all of our podcasts featured because there's the, a little film I've heard about that may or may not be doing somewhat well. I, uh, I wouldn't call it. Um, like talking about over a billion dollars is not little. <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks, right? Has yes. the James Bond film really made that much money? <laughs> That's why well, I'm here. Well, well, think of it this way. If the James Bond bill, film made that much money, why did he have to do a cameo? Oh, wait a minute. He had it <laughs> covered. <laughs> Just yeah. joking there. I oh, love But before we get, we can't go into the episode. We have a couple of major announcements for like the first time I feel in like a good month and a half. That's true. Yes. Like, 
Yes. Big announcements. Mm-hmm. Huge, even. Steven, to you want to tell uh, us what they are? Up, I was going to. I was going to try and come up with a good pun, but I can't. Um, <laughs> even so people did that better. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. the first big one is that Rebels will be returning in three days. So that's going to be January 20th. Woohoo! On the 17th. And the first episode is going to include Leia as well. So exciting. This is I cool. want to say this is the first time we've seen Leia pre-episode four, really. Yes, like yes. As a, especially as a big character. In, in, the, in the canon. You know, we saw her in The Force Awakens. Uh, sorry, not The Force Awakens. Um, clearly, I got that on my mind. We saw her in The Force Unleashed uh, as young That's Leia. That's true. But, um... I, and I feel like now that episode eight has finally come the gates are open and so now they can start letting in more of the canon and start putting in more of the pieces and, yep. f- and filling in all the questions that they uh, put out there uh, for the fans who want to go seek it out. And I, I think it's pretty exciting seeing people like Leia who just animation wise looks a lot like Padme from Clone Wars. Just going to say it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to seeing her character in action. Her, her voice seemed a little bit off. For Leia, but you know we'll see. Well, but then again, was I she British? Was she? You do. You know? Okay. What's, what's your theory? Teresa? I do. I have a theory. There is a possibility that the reason that it's not Cat Tabor and that it's Julie Dolan is because we could be seeing a cameo appearance by Leia in a certain movie that comes out in December, to where they needed to make the voice match. Mm whoever is playing her. Mm-hmm. And so they came up with using new to the fandom, Julie Dolan. And I've interacted with her on Twitter. And by the way, she's the sweetest person ever. And she's new to fandom, kind of like when all the Rebels voice actors came mm-hmm. into it and everything. So we've been kind of inviting her in, all the fangirls and stuff like that. And she's really excited. Oh, that's cool. So That's cool. I'm, yeah. sure she's, I'm sure she's awesome. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing what she brings to the role of Leia. She'll be great. And that's on Wednesday. It's coming up very shortly. Yeah, I'm excited, but also kind of nervous. I've made a discovery within the last few days about my feelings on Rebels. Uh-oh, okay. And it's not very please, popular. Please share. So I started noticing that when we saw the first trailer at Celebration and then the season started, they pretty much packed almost everything from that first trailer within the first three episodes of the show Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the first half of the season felt kind of flat Mm -hmm. and so i'm afraid that this trailer is going to be the majority of the like last two or three episodes of the season Uh, you know and the uh, other thing that's bothering me about rebels is in the clone wars they spread out a story over three or four episodes in an arc. And mm-hmm. so we dove into the concepts that they were developing and we got a lot of story and a lot of detail. We don't get that in Rebels. Yeah. They try to wrap everything up in 30 minutes, which doesn't leave a lot of room. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. It, it doesn't leave a lot of room to explore all these amazing concepts that they're bringing up. And it doesn't, for, I guess for me, for somebody who's older and, you know, not a kid who needs that 30-minute story and I'm thinking about this stuff in depth, it doesn't – it leaves me feeling kind of bummed out almost after every episode because I'm like, well, wait, there's so much more you could do with that. Do you think yeah. it's because of the uh, the kind of the Disney effect again so that the – 
you know, uh, a lot of these episodes get played on Disney and XD and whatnot over and over again at various times. And, you know, you can't if you're just a kid watching it at some random time, you're not really getting an arc um, of watching it once a week. So you're just seeing it when it's on. You might see them out of order or whatnot. I mean, maybe that's part of it, you know. I do. I think it's the Disney effect, and I think it's, you know, and I hate to say that because I really think Disney's been great for Star mm-hmm. Wars, but mm-hmm. I think that it's definitely because it's on Disney television and because they want it to be accessible for a younger audience to watch, you know, one and done, that we, as the kind of fans that we are, aren't getting as much detail as we would like. And it just, it bums me out because they're bringing up so many awesome concepts that just aren't getting explored. And it makes me sad. Yeah. You right. know what? I, well, I, I, I give them time. Give them time and it'll work itself out. I, I am with you though, Teresa. I think, I think we, we complained uh, during the first half of the, the season about how standalone it was. And I think, um, they definitely run that risk of having all the exciting elements in one, you know, early or up front or late in the game. And then the rest of the season, it's, it's all, uh, you know, quick standalone episodes where like, this is the Hera episode and this is the Sabine episode. And this is the, you know, Zeb episode. And they don't really dig in and have this, you know, nice story arc going throughout. So, but uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see what, how, what, where they'll take it. Uh, you actually brought up mm-hmm. the, uh, the trailer, which is the other big piece of news for this week. They, you know, Lucasfilm released a, a big trailer for the last half of the season, and oh boy, is it exciting. It's got to be one of the biggest trailers I think I've ever seen. And William, I just I want the record to reflect. I actually watched a trailer before you did. <laughs> yes, yes. It may did. only happen <laughs> once, but it happened this time. <laughs> you beat me to it. That is true. That is true. Okay, so I'm- how many times have you watched it? I think I've seen it about, oh, seven times so far. So I, I only watched about three times. I just got home last night. I was in uh, Orlando. I was actually at the same convention center as uh, Star Wars Celebration was in the past, which is a very strange experience. Like, where where are all the stormtroopers? Where's the 501st? Where's all the fans? But uh, now I was there for a work conference, and so I, you know, Stephen messages me, and he's like, have you seen the trailer? No, no, I've been working. And, you know. <laughs> It was it was great. I loved the trailer. It was so awesome. Well, I think it, it has a lot of epic things. And when I watched it, I thought, you know, I was just talking about how it's a Disney TV show. Sometimes you got to think about that. And but the trailer was like a movie. It, it, mm-hmm. it was pretty epic. Uh, the pacing of the trailer and it kind of made me think: Is are the episodes going to be like that? Because it's kind of selling it short, like. It's like in a world, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's but just the Kevin really. effect, right? He is fantastic mm-hmm. at cutting trailers, and um, yeah, it, yeah I, I watched cool. it. Sorry, I watched it twice and told myself that I wasn't going to watch it anymore because I refused to let myself get excited to just be let down. So <laughs> I've put my expectations very low, so that when they do stuff that normally would have bummed me out, it'll make me really excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, the one thing that one thing that caught me on this this one is in one shot you don't see two inquisitors, you see a hint of a third inquisitor. Mako's guides. Do you think? And many other be, things too. Do you think hey that guys, could Ma- be um, that could be Barriss Offie and not not the sis not the seventh sister, but in fact 
a different Inquisitor? It's not going to be Barris. And if it is Barris, <laughs> there's going to be some very angry people. Why? I don't know. It there's... would only make sense. Because there are some people that are very big fans of Barris, and they don't want that to be her fate. I'm just saying. It's a fan thing. It has nothing to do with whether or not it would make sense in the story. They're, it's just purely based the off of favorites. Turn to the dark side. Well, yes. Okay, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of Barris Ophi too. I think it, at one point I had a hard drive named after Barris. <laughs> and honestly, well, no, right now, well, honestly, I, I, now I'm being serious here. Right now, my hard drives are named after clones. Okay, except for one. But yeah. I at one point had another hard drive, and I will tell you, somebody did see a computer I have at work that is named after a clone. So I am a big fan of Barris Ophi. I would think. It would it would be a logical step for her to be turned into an Inquisitor. I don't know. I'm just so, glad that my boyfriend's back, so whatever. Y'all <laughs> <laughs> well, just big... not know who that is, really? No, I Nobody? know. Okay. Of course. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> uh, okay, but there's... There I was going to say, the other big thing in the trailer... Oh yeah, there was many things. I mean, there's many things, but that's true. A certain hooded old master. Yeah. Oh, I'm so yeah. looking a, a little bit a little bit gaunt after that encounter with Palpatine. You know, what was it a like? Little, Twenty years ago. Who a cares? little bit ragged. He's amazing. He will and, forever and a, have my heart. <laughs> and a and a lightsaber we just saw, but this version is green. Is that one? Yeah. Yeah, we get we get basically Kylo Ren's like a green version of Kylo Ren's lightsaber. You get uh, Darth Maul and uh, uh, you know more Inquisitors and Ezra I mean, turning to the dark side. Yes, what? yes. Yeah. Ezra, Ezra turning to the dark side. There's like a holocron. We get Anakin, Darth Vader, and Ahsoka. Yeah. Uh, we'll go up against each other. <clears throat> I love the. Uh, the return of Matt Lanter actually voicing Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing that gets me is Darth Vader on his TIE fighter coming down. And then you hear that, you hear that thing of like, Ahsoka, why did you leave? Yep. You hear mm-hmm. that with, and it's Darth Vader behind her, but you're hearing Anakin. It, it definitely felt like, okay, guys, now that Seven's out of the way, now we can bring the hype a little bit more. Yep. Let's bring it back. Yep. Yep. So uh, I'm very excited. I can't wait. It, the season starts in three days, and uh, from the looks of it, there's not going to be many breaks, at least uh, initially. So, um, How many episodes are we getting this Sorry? How many episodes are we getting this season? Uh, I want to say said. like they haven't said, but I want to say it's like twenty-two, twenty-four, something like that. That sounds right to me. And how many did we have in the first half? Thirteen. Sorry, oh, sorry. The first, the first half of uh, this this season. Uh-huh. Uh We are at uh, there was nine episodes plus the movie. That's what I thought. It wasn't very much. That means yeah. there's going to be a lot more so, coming up. That's so what I guess, thought. You know, if the movie was three episodes, that puts us at twelve. Um, and so we probably have another ten to twelve episodes to more. Works with me. Yeah. 
but uh but anyway that's that's just rebels I and mean, as much as i love talking about rebels i know we could a, go on for a long certain time. major film that we still need to discuss and in the last episode if you remember we we dug into the basic plot and we talked about some of the the key story beats what we didn't talk about was the uh was the the characters right we kind of actually glossed over some major major characters like mm-hmm. you know who are Ray's parents and you know talking about Kylo Ren and Han and Leia and all these great great characters so with that should we uh should we dig in i guess Teresa and, and David we haven't heard your opinions yet on on the film and then from there we can we can dig into the characters how's that sound well cool. uh, yeah and and what can I say that hasn't already been said? Um, but really, I just think that it was, it was exactly what we needed, and um, it opened up. It did its purpose, which is open up stories for a new generation of, um, of films and books and everything. And uh, it, it really set the canon in a great direction. And I, I love everything that happened. It was very happy, very pleasing. And for me, it is the worst movie ever that I've seen five times. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Contradiction, huh? Yeah. No, it uh, definitely, like David said, I think it opened Star Wars up to people that were very anti-Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's brought more people into the fandom, which is important. And we're going to start finding 10 and 20 more podcasts showing up here pretty soon, probably. Mm-hmm. From new people. And I think that it's done... Star Wars, a world of good, just in general. I have a lot of new Lego sets because of it, and I'm very thankful, and I love it, and BB-8 is my favorite droid ever. Okay. <laughs> can we start with BB-8? <laughs> you know what? We can start with BB-8. I think that's a great character to, to yeah. discuss, because when we all saw him in Celebration, we only saw, I feel, the little bit of BB-8 we were able to get. We... I, okay, I did not expect to see the amount of acting this little droid did yeah. on screen. Just being an actual, you know, droid and not a human. The amount of emotion that was on there. The, you know, in fact, hi. I think we're going to be listening to him in a little bit. Because <laughs> well, I was hey, trying to turn the volume down. Hey, I, <laughs> there you go. I love it. Well, I, I, I think it was. So go ahead, Stephen. I was going to say that. Tom, I think you hit on the big point for me is they did set um, like when you compare like to R two D two is kind of the the easiest comparison I think. R two has he can rock back and forth on his legs, he can move this that center barrel backwards and forwards on a hinge, and mm-hmm. he can spin his head around and he can beep. And that was what the, we had for R two to give emotion. And BB eight just the ability that the head can move around on top of the body leads to so many fantastic moments like it was it was a level of physical humor that i think star wars had been missing for a long time and it just it just nailed it made the character and this coming from a droid that's the thing right and a machine yeah that's a very simple machine if you think about it you know uh it's like a half a snowman (laughs) you know it's it's a circle (laughs) in a circle right Uh, what i what i thought was amazing was that um you you had this little character that um, could act and do all these cool things like we've all talked about. But also, right off the bat in the beginning, uh, when 
he looks up at Ray when Ray is fixing his antenna. Mm -hmm. What I got from that scene was a scene of like affection of a nice person helping this thing in need. And he stares Mm -hmm. at with affection that to Ray and you're like, this is a machine staring. How did I get that? Like it was, and, and, and how, how did they do that? I have no idea because it's not, it's not CG. It's not magic. It's just, um, really, really talented animatronics operators Mm -hmm. that know what they're doing. And the other thing that got me is he was purring like a cat at the right moments. And it was like, I'll say it, the cuteness factor of a droid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, took, you took it. I was going to say, because nobody ever mentions the purr, but mm-hmm. he purrs when he's... Oh, I picked it in a heartbeat. When he's, when he's happy or when mm-hmm. he's excited. And I think one of my favorite moments, everybody always points out the blowtorch moment, like his <laughs> thumbs up moment, which yeah. is mm-hmm. great. And that whole scene is amazing in the way he looks between Ray and Finn and, and mm-hmm. how he like rolls back like away from him when when yeah. Finn's like not in the resistance and he's like, whoa, buddy, <laughs> I don't think I want to talk to you anymore. But when he's trying to get R2 to wake up and he's like nudging him and doing all that kind of stuff, you can you get very much like kitten puppy droid mm-hmm. out of him. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's intentional because he is physically smaller, but at Celebration, we got this vibe that BB-8 and R2 might be kind of like Chopper and R2 a little bit because they were mm-hmm. sort of going back and forth, but that wasn't it at all. And that was very a pleasant surprise oh and Teresa, when you're saying about the animals it, it i never realized this about star wars but you know star wars has always been the droids have been a lot of the comic relief or just help carry the story forward um they've been so important uh but until this uh movie i didn't realize why everybody loves r2 is because you love dog uh, dogs Mm-hmm. Um, you love your companion and BB eight was so much so that my wife and I joke because my dog, I have a little Jack Russell is exactly like BB eight, like her little motions. And so when BB eight went up and poked R2 and did all that, my dog does that and then will twist her head in the same way. And so that's why you can love this character because just like you'd love a dog that was in there, you know, like, mm-hmm. Hey Lassie, you know? Um, and, and I think that's I didn't realize that about R2 um, from way back when, but I think it's the companion factor. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that makes the opening of the film so much, I'd say, more impactful. Because when you first watch the movie, okay, you know, Poe sends BB-8 away into the desert. But it's once you have that emotional connection to BB-8, like, this is Poe sending his dog, like, like, run away, like, leave, mm-hmm. get out of here. You know, that heartbreaking moment in the, a film. And it was... It makes even just the opening so much better, I think. Yeah, well, I think somebody has something to say about that. <laughs> now, who, who all has a Sphero BB-8? Because I have one. I've got I, one. I do. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm also in the not yet crew. <laughs> well, also, I, uh, I have a small quadcopter, and I have the Millennium Falcon drone. Um, oh, and nice. both of those are targets for my dog. She would go nuts. So I'm like, great. If I get something on the ground, I'm not. It's not gonna last very long. I was gonna say, David. So I got our dogs uh, a BB-8 stuffed animal toy. Ah. So it's, you know, a ball, and then it's you know another like ball stitched on top. Um, 
I don't know if the head is still attached. <laughs> wow. I, this was just last week. So nice. you're in the yard and then all of a sudden you see a half of BB-8 sticking out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little sad. Yeah. Mine we play with my cats with mine. Yeah, my, mine goes to work. Mine has a lot of fun there. Although it gets stuck in the kitchen every once in a while behind this big black table. I gotta go fish him out. <laughs> but he's, he's actually safer there than here at the house. It's better carpet at work. Uh, here at the house, he doesn't work that well, but he works so much better at work. So yeah. he he's home for the weekend, but he'll go back to work on Tuesday. <laughs> hey, uh, someone mentioned the beginning of the film. Um, so very, very, very small character I wanted to ask about is uh, Lore Santeca. Yes, yes. The, Max Montado's character, yeah. Yeah, and, and so uh, when I first saw that, I was thinking that's going to be um, – Sorry, it's late. Um, character from Rebels, the, the older guy. Kanan? Uh, Kanan, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought it was Kanan, you know what I mean? And they were going to make that nod there, but um, who is this guy? Laura Santeca, according to the Visual Dictionary and a bunch of other sources, is um, he's a, he basically helped, he worked with Luke to go track down a bunch of old Jedi artifacts for many years. And he's a he's a devout member of the Church of the Force, which is this new concept. Well, uh, so. I don't know if it's new actually. <laughs> this is one. Of, so, I, bringing us back to earlier in the Rebels trailer, we see a what looks like some sort of sanctuary of Jedi warriors. Mm-hmm. They have lots of lightsabers and so yep. on. And my tin, tinfoil hat theory at the moment is that this is the. Uh, Church of the Force, uh, or some form. Well, it's new to us but, in Star Wars fandom. Right. At this point. So I, I'd have to agree with that. I, I was ready to pick up the DK book, but to me, it's a little too thin for the amount of information that was in there. I would have, I would have rather had the thing a, a lot thicker, because I think there's just so much information that could be thrown in that book. So I, I, I actually I'm think, I think they revision. did a really good job with it. Pa- I, I was... Pablo, I think, did a, did a fantastic job. Stephen, have you had yeah. a chance to read it yet? I don't know if I have. Okay. You would know if you have. I don't think I have. Sorry. Okay. It's a great It's a it's great the one book. I gave you. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah. Sorry. So you gave me that book as you were, we were packing everything. Yeah. Yeah. So literally upstairs right now, I have a room that has every single Star Wars book I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. So it will be a little bit before I unpack all of that yeah, yeah for the moment my kindle is what where all my star wars reading is happening but uh but anyway well, i love it i think it did a really good job with explaining a lot of things actually mm-hmm. and i've been using it as reference material on almost every podcast that i'm on it's actually sitting right next to me because if we're talking about the force awakens i want to have it because i know there's going to be something in there that will help me kind of talk through this thing mm-hmm. and so even though it's not that big, it's actually done really well. And plug moment, um, we're going to be talking to Pablo um, in a few weeks on Star Wars Bookworms about writing this particular book and about the story group and stuff. So I'm excited to dive into it with him. Well, I'm glad you like it because I just clicked one click order on Amazon. So <laughs> Okay, then I, then I guess I'm going to pick that up because I have a gift card for Barnes & Noble and I could probably pick it up from that. So, yeah. Cool, cool. But but, um, but yeah, so Laura Santeca, he's a he's an explorer and a traveler, um, and uh, as I said, he helped Luke you know, recover some secret Jedi artifacts, and then mm-hmm. Lore 
but the Empire had tried to erase. Um, well, there's uh, another story thread there. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's a lot. There's a lot of potential for interesting stories. And now he lives on Jakku, where you know there's a bunch of of residents uh, who all follow the uh, the Children of the Force. Oh, sorry, the Church of the Force. Children. That's a Clone Wars episode. <laughs> Church of the Force. <laughs> Wrong thing. Uh, and somehow he held on to this map. So, I mean, my, my personal theory is that Luke Skywalker gave him the map to where he was going to be. He, you know, he split it up and said, hey, R2, you're going to carry half. And Laura Santeca, you're going to have the other half. And if the galaxy ever needs me, you guys know how to find me. Put your, you know, put your pieces together and there we go. This uh, sounds like some kind of uh, um, Tom Hanks movie with the Knights of the templar and all that stuff you know half the map is here and half the other map is here and you have to Mm -hmm. connect the dots yeah yeah exactly the dan brown novel for sure yeah yeah Yeah, so so i wanted to since we're on the beginning of the movie let's move from bb8 i think to one of the other big standouts for the movie, despite his lack of screen time, I'd argue, which is, of course, Poe Dameron. Oh, my like, other boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he did, he, such a great character, I thought. And I'm still disappointed he disappeared for the middle, yeah, uh, middle third. Of the movie. I, I think he had well, to, right? There, there was no use for him in that part of the movie. He would have just sat there and, and done nothing. So mm-hmm. I think it's uh, okay that he disappears. But William, you ex- you do say that you get his backstory in the Force Awakens novels, correct? A little or... bit more. You you get like okay. a scene about how he escaped Jakku. Um, okay, because I I'm actually reading that right now, and I've got to the point to where I'm really slow on this. They actually crashed on Jakku, and you've got Finn getting to uh um uh, oh god the place where Simon Pegg's character is. So he's getting Jakku. there. No, the the little city, oh, the, the, depot. Yeah, no, the, the junkyard, the depot. Yeah, so I'm I'm there right now. So there there so far hasn't been anything about Poe Dameron at that point. But if it touches on, then then I'll get there at some point. Well, we'll definitely get more Poe Dameron backstory with his comic series yes. that's coming out. Yes. So that is true. I'm really looking forward to that good. one. Mm-hmm. I really like Poe Dameron. I thought Oscar Isaac did not do a good job. Acting. That was my personal feeling. Really? Oh, yeah. that hurts me. Like, <laughs> really? yeah, that, that kills me because I thought he was one of the best out of the new characters really? as far as doing what what little he had to work with. He did a really good job with considering he had like maybe ten lines. Well, uh, in the right, movie. let me let me then t- take a step back and say I think some of his lines weren't written well enough. And it was just sometimes it, it came off as a little hokey to me, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm it's also because I think in that first scene, of course I'm so overwhelmed by the emotion of everything, and um, the entire first scene looked like it was I, I didn't it looked a little too real to me. It was like a soundstage, and I, I didn't really feel that that was Star Warsy. And I think it was maybe the I'm getting into 
overwhelmed with um, everything happening and I'm so excited about seeing it that mm-hmm. I was just like, wait, this isn't Star Wars. And then he like kind of tries to have this funny moment with Kylo Ren and it would like landed flat every time I've seen it. Uh, really? Wow, I love it. Really? That's so with... bizarre because almost everybody that's... says that that line is one of their favorite. Of really? Them. You're okay. totally I guess... entitled to your opinion. We're not, we're no, not, no, that's you fine. Know, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't fire me, please. But... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I guess it's just I thought it was funny, but then it was just it didn't feel I guess it, maybe it's who I was with in the theater. And I don't know, you know. Oh, no, I thought I, that was great for me. Sorry, that was it was great because I wasn't expecting it to happen. And because there was so much other really intense things happening at that moment. And he just comes in and he just starts talking and it like he's not intimidated at all. And it cracked me up. And it I for me, I thought, man, now this is Star Wars. Like, this mm-hmm. is what it should be. Like, that was what I thought. So I just think it's really interesting. Cool. Different yeah. now, now I can't wait to see it again. <laughs> well, no. And, and, and also, we, we don't want to sway your opinion on it, because oh, yeah. the other thing you mentioned when it came to some of the dialogue realize some of the dialogue in episodes four or five and six weren't that great either. Right. Yeah. So it, it kind of, it kind of flowed along and, and this is as has been brought up in the other podcasts that we've done the previous that people complain that it had too much of the episode four feel to it and almost the rhythm to it. But I think in this case, everything fit the way it was supposed to. Yes. It had the feel. Yes. It had the hokey dialogue and yes, you know, maybe it had that little bit of bad bad acting in it, but that's what I expected coming out of it because that was Star Wars. If you wanted anything clean cut, <laughs> but if you wanted anything clean cut and and not that way, I would say go watch uh, go watch like Star Trek, go watch any other science fiction films. This stayed with the mold of Star Wars. Well, and and you know, it's really interesting too because. It, Compared to a lot of the discussions that we've had in the last decade, especially about Star Wars, what I really think is this – what's cool is this is what we're talking about. It's like mm-hmm. mm, it was a good thing, but one line, you know what I mean? It's not like this whole big, oh my gosh, what's up with a seven-foot-tall bunny? You know, um, so it's – <laughs> So I, I really think that I'm being super sensitive here, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, so, so yeah, I, I, I mean, we, I don't, I don't know how much we want to go into the, each, each character, but I thought, uh, Poe was just, Poe, Poe was really cool. I liked how, um, he, he was, at least my opinion, he was, he was funny and played mm-hmm. off of the other characters very well. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where they, they take his character in, uh, in the future. I like and, that they have yeah. the the fighter ace and when he's mm-hmm. flying around and stuff. That that was my favorite part of the movie. And I think yeah. what really what really helped pose the character was him playing off of Finn at the beginning of the movie. And when you get into the Finn character, um, it's funny how everybody was trying to figure out when you first see him in that first trailer, why is he sitting here on a planet just looking around all, oh my God, what's going on? You know, why is he wherever he was with his helmet off, you know, looking like he was completely stressed? And that was the beauty of the trailers. You had no idea until you watched the movie. And I thought Boyega in just those scenes, finally, everything started flowing into place. And 
he really did a great character. You know, I, I like the scene when um, Oscar Isaac meets Finn and they're talking and about he's trying to, you know, I'm a pilot, get off the ship and all that stuff. Uh, and I think Poe is really good about, you know, there's no BS here. Let's just get straight to the point. You just need a pilot, you know, and that was really what was cool about it is, you know, but he was just an he was an honest, uh, really wholesome, great character um, that's a pilot, but he's doing these secret miss- missions for General Leia. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, it's more the broad Han Solo type character rather than like a wedge in mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. In talking about Finn, you know, Finn's characterization of himself as a stormtrooper there at the beginning was amazing just seeing the film. But what's been interesting is if you've read Before the Awakening by Greg Recco, which is mm-hmm. one of the young reader novels for. Just finish um, that through Disney press. It's like, I, it's a whole picture now, the Mm -hmm. short story about Finn and I've read it and then gone and seen the movie again. And it's amazing. Like, it's almost like they told him who all those people were that he was interacting with in this movie. And maybe they did. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would love to know, did you know that those characters have certain distinctions and that they were actually Finn's friends and things like that? Because the way he acted it was perfect knowing Mm -hmm. what I know from the book. And I love how everything is meshing together and Star Wars didn't used to do this. And this is the reason I love the story group is because these books are tying into this film in ways that we've never had before. And it's Mm -hmm. making me really excited. Yeah. The whole franchise is going after it. Yeah. So uh, with Finn, I like how the whole movie, they captured him as the kind of ignorant, dumb, wussy stormtrooper, like the whole time. Like he uh, doesn't really know what's going on. He's like, no, I'd rather just not fight this. And I thought they kept that the whole time. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting watching the film because on the I just started reading uh, – Bef- oh, sorry, I'm now I'm blanking on the name. Before the Awakening, so I'm still on Finn's part. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm cl- assuming close because I c- don't think it's that long. But the thing that strikes me is how it it really sets Finn up for how he acts in the movie, which is that Finn is absolutely terrified of the First Order. Mm-hmm. He cannot imagine a world where the First Order is not the supreme leader of everything that ever was. And it just, it makes it, like, the way he runs away throughout the movie, I think, just makes so much more sense. Not that mm-hmm. it didn't make sense in the movie on its own, but, it's like, that fear comes across in just about every scene. Especially and when, when they're sitting at the table. Yeah, Sorry, just the, I, I was going to say, yeah, exactly. In uh, Maz Kanata's palace, he's just like, I've, like, I'm running as far away as I can. Well, and she even he even in said, his eyes. He even says, it, and it sounded like he was just saying something that he was brainwashed to say, like almost like the Pledge of Allegiance or something. He's like, you can't stop the First Order. And then he kind of goes into you know conversational speech. But it was just like this brainwashing that he had. Um, I, I thought it was pretty good how, they, how he acted the whole film and kept that going. Yeah, I, I think Finn is... One of my, uh, one of my. I mean, all all the new characters are, are awesome. He's one of my favorites. Um, he he has that innocence to him, you know, and he, he knows how to how to be a stormtrooper and be a great stormtrooper. But 
you know, he doesn't like what the what the First Order is doing, and uh, he kind of just goes off on this whole adventure. And he has a a really interesting arc, and I'm curious to see where they take his character because you know at the end of this one, his his back's all messed up. He's been sliced by a lightsaber, and we really don't know what his fate is or what happens to him. So I hope they give him some kind of cybernetic so he can be like super Darth Vadery and whatnot. <laughs> well, I, no, go ahead, go ahead Stephen. No, I, I was gonna, I was gonna bring this over to Ray, but you know, continue. Okay, I was just so the last thing I wanted to finish up is I bringing that arc full circle. I like that once Finn committed himself, he was all in. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is this is the plan. Here's the base. This is what we have to do to try and take it down. I think you know. Here's what we have to do to take down Ray. Okay, this is like. My boss's boss coming at me with a lightsaber. I'll go for it. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And and let's not forget, we can use the force. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, it, it was yeah, hilarious. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Well, the the one thing. Moving on to the next character, and I have to bring this up just because of Daisy Ridley. If this is her, and I think maybe in the last podcast I mentioned the same thing, she acted her butt off in this movie and she really brought a great character to screen and ray is just out of all three of the main characters that they introduced moving forward they all have their their niches they all have their fan base for me it's ray hands down Mm -hmm. as the lead in this movie because and not just because of the character but it's because of how daisy ridley portrayed that character yeah, she is. She's she's definitely, uh, without question, my favorite character in the film, and actually one of my favorite Star Wars characters in general at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, is absolutely fantastic. I, I was very very impressed with what Daisy Ridley did, and how how great her character was. Uh, every moment she was on screen was just you know stealing the stealing the show in many ways. Even mm-hmm. as, as much as you know, everyone in the film is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Ray is a character that transcends boundaries of what, you know, a lot of characters will fit into sort of little groups of people mm-hmm. that will like them. Ray fits everybody. And yeah. I think even the people that tend to like the dark side characters more love Ray. And I'm one of those. So it's kind of interesting because. The, the way Daisy Ridley portrayed this character, I think, is the key. She made her accessible for everybody. My six-year-old nephew, when we asked him who his favorite character was after he saw it, he was like, Ray. Mm-hmm. He had to think about it for a good maybe 30 seconds like six-year-olds do, which I'm not really sure what he was thinking about <laughs> because he didn't say anything. He just sort of put his hand to his chin and was very silent and then came back with Ray with a good head shake. And I'm like, okay, really? And he's like, yeah, I like her. She did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think so. I have something interesting I want to bring up about this. um, And I want y'all's opinion. It's not my opinion, but I've heard this, but um, I thought the same thing that uh, I think Will said. I think Daisy Ridley, or I think Ray is probably my favorite character in all of Star Wars. And I think Daisy Ridley, I can argue, is the best actress in all of Star Wars. I think what she did, and she she made the movie. Uh, and 
uh, how she can portray so much. And this is a lot due to the great writing of the story, but Mm -hmm. she can portray or sorry, portray so much just by her looks and her energy and what she's doing. And like when she's looking up at the ship flying away, uh, which by the way, that whole scene was portrayed completely different in the trailer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. When she's seeing that go away, it's like the hope. And then you get the whole flashback to in your head to twin sons, Luke looking up at those and that whole homage there and everything she did in this entire movie. And, and she was aggressive and uh, uh, proactive, yet so humble and honest and real and true and, and such a good character. And she pulled it off marvelously mm-hmm. and really, really neat. Um, one thing that I thought it was kind of a contrast to what somebody said uh, a second ago, I, I know some people who don't think that they're her favorite character. And uh, one of those was actually my mom. My mom saw Star Wars the very first time, um, you know, when it was coming out. She was, I guess, 17 or so. And so she was, you know, old enough to not be a kid, but kind of, you know, older teenager or whatnot. Um, Of course, you know, like most love Star Wars or whatnot. And when she saw it, she was telling me that when she saw it, she saw it was a, the, one of the first movies that was a sci-fi kind of movie that everybody around her, the adult, the adults were even talking about it, where it is they all kind of thought it was a kid's movie at first, and then they eventually saw it, and then the hype around the film for months, and then finally everybody got to see it. So when she saw it, she really looked up to Princess Leia. She was a princess. But she wasn't a normal type princess. She's out there. She's, you know, you know, shooting the garbage compactor open and she's in charge. And, you know, and so it was really cool for her being a young woman growing up to look up to Princess Leia. So then I mentioned to my mom, well, Ray was uh, one of my favorite characters. I really loved it. And she felt that Ray was too masculine of a role in the character and she felt like the her generational gap and i've heard this from a couple other people that i've asked of the same generation uh was she was wanted it to be more of a feminine role and mm-hmm. my thinking is they might get there because i feel like there's going to be a love affair in the future but they might get there in the future but it was kind of a contrast because i mean I, i'm a teacher and i talk to a lot of younger people of all sorts of ages and that's what they feel like ray was everybody looks up to everybody next mm-hmm. halloween everybody's going to be a ray <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I just thought it was an interesting generational thing that I wanted to comment on. See, well, I, I, I find actually, that. Sorry, I just wanted to comment on that because my mom is who got me into Star Wars, and my mom saw Star Wars when it first came out in '77. So mm-hmm. she's from that same generation. I don't actually think that it's a generational gap. I think that it's a cultural gap based on where people grew up and how they mm-hmm. grew up. Because right. my mom loves Ray. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother loves Ray and my grandma's 83 and it has a lot to do with, and just some background on me, we're Mexican American. We come from a middle-class household. We come from a place where women have always had to work and have had to do things for themselves. And my mom is a single mother. So for her, someone like Ray is a role model. Same mm-hmm. for my grandmother. So I think that it's less of a maybe generational thing as it is based on your life experiences and what you had to like the things that just influenced your life growing up. And so, I mean, it could be for some people 
you know, an age thing, but I just hate to put it just on that because I feel like there's so much more based on who you are as people. And like my mom is, um, has been in politics and stuff like that. So for her, someone like Ray is a very, you know, she sees herself in Ray. So Mm. I think it's, I think it's more of something like that. I don't know if that, if that makes any sense. Well, I I can actually speak to this because I am probably part of that. I'm not going to say my age, but Mm -hmm. I do remember seeing it in the movie theater in 77. I enjoyed the movie for what it was. I, I even wrote the thing for, uh, for Star Wars report website about being there with my father to see it. And, you know, I got to experience it with my son and I'm sitting here watching this movie and I like Ray because I like the character. I'm not looking at it. I'm not looking at the way that everybody else is. I just, for my, for this generation, I don't see what the problem is with having her getting up there. I didn't think she was too masculine. I thought she was basically being a girl who was left on a planet who really had to fend for herself, who was able to take care of herself in any situation. I mean, look at the situation she was in. She had guys try to steal BB-8 and she kicked up out of them. She, you know, had TIE fighters being, you know, they were firing after her and she was able to steal a piece of junk and fly the thing. Okay. I, I looked at her just going, I didn't see that. I saw that as a very resourceful character that was able to get herself in and out of situations who was very intelligent. And I I think, and at the same time, be very Okay, I will say be very feminine when need be in certain situations. But because of the life, that's what I expect out of the character. I expected her to be that way. It didn't bother me if she was too masculine or too feminine. She was on the perfect key for that character in the movie. It didn't bother me at all. Yeah, and and, uh, Tom, and I absolutely agree with you. It didn't bother me either. And uh, when. And, and my mom, you know, loved the film and loved everything about it, too. But so I, I don't mean to, like, go out and say my mom is a bad person or anything. Oh, for the, <laughs> But uh, and, I, and that's and please don't don't take it. Don't take it the wrong way. Sure. I, I'm just because well, and, and so I'm also talking in it from from my generational standpoint, because like I said, I'm not saying my age, but I, I did <laughs> see it at that time frame. And and I just, you know. I do look at the things and I try not to read into it when I go see a movie. It gets out to where you discuss it. You you say your opinions and you, and you say, great, we can agree, you know, and then we just walk away. Mm-hmm. And I just go and see the movie because I enjoyed the movie. I never was aware that there was that kind of discussion out there about the character being the way it was until it was just brought up. And I'm like, yeah. I'm surprised. Well, that's how that's how I felt, too. I um, and I. I, when I see the character, I just see the character. I, I don't really Absolutely. think about all those yeah. other things that come up. But uh, also I thought, you know, when I heard this opinion, just from my mom or from um, some other people, too, who um, shared that uh, same opinion, I, I was just thinking the same thing, that, you know, I think she is exactly the character who she was stranded mm-hmm. for 20 years on a planet or however old she exactly. was. So, Yeah. Yeah, and and I I don't know. I just I find it fascinating. Uh, can, you know. can we can we get into her um, fraternity? <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the <laughs> big the big discussion, right? The big question: Who are Ray's parents? I'm gonna go. I, I, 
coin I'm on go out on a limb and just say my completely ridiculous answer, which I'm choosing to say is like that's what I think for now. Okay. Because I have I don't I'm not a speculator, so I don't I don't like to do that kind of stuff. So this is my ridiculous answer. She's Ezra's kid. Done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Interesting. I really no. I, I that's like I said. It's just something I made up because everybody else is saying all this other stuff. And like I said, I don't speculate in general. So I'm gonna wait for them to tell me. And when it happens, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple theories. I mean, I think one obvious one is, well, it's she's Han and Leia's daughter. I'm not so sure about that one. Uh... Uh, then there's the, oh, well, she's Luke's daughter theory. I think that's probably the most likely. There's also I'd agree. The, she's somehow connected to Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, which is possible. I can see why people might say that. Uh, mm-hmm. Or there's like other completely other theories, too. I don't know if you guys want to discuss these more in depth. Uh, I can tell you the... which one's my favorite. Okay. My favorite out of those that you mentioned would be Obi-Wan, related to Obi-Wan somehow. I'd love really? that. How come? Because it's less likely. It's funner. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so... um, but honestly, if I could have it my way, I would want her to be related to no one because I think there is power in her being someone that is just so strong with the Force that the Force is calling to her in the same way that it was calling to, well, it wasn't really calling to Anakin, but like just that she is, that anybody can be strong with the force and can be the change that needs to come to the galaxy and that you do not have to be a solo or a Skywalker to have that happen. I just, I like that idea. Yeah. I think here's the, here's the reason why I think it has to be someone we know though. And the reason is, um, she, uh, they, 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 one, they laid too many hits that, you know, that it's, yeah. that she's someone important. They just, w- they wouldn't have brought up her parents at all, right? If it wasn't someone we knew, I think. Um, or they would have found some other way to keep her on Jakku. But more importantly, Kathleen Kennedy has said that the numbered Star Wars films are about the Skywalker family. It's the, st- the saga of the Skywalkers. Now, you could argue that. Well, Kylo Ren is uh, Anakin Skywalker's grandson. Therefore, he fulfills the Skywalker legacy, and the trilogy is about him. It's a generational story. He's part of the generation. Yes, yep. I agree. I agree yeah, with so that. I, that, that. That could make sense. But I also feel like it would be strange to have to not have a Skywalker as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you I, have a Skywalker as an antagonist, and... And Star Wars has always been about these these family relationships too, and so it's about the the father trying to, you know, redeem the uh, the son trying to redeem the father, or it's about you know uh, Anakin try, turning to the dark side because of you know he's trying to stop certain things with Padme or uh, you know his mom and whatnot. And so I don't know. I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure we can have. Uh, another trilogy of films where the only Skywalker is the villain. Okay. I I have to say this because we're talking about the villain point here and I don't want to jump about lineage to go to Kylo Ren. 
but I've had discussions with a friend of mine at work about this when it comes to him. And I really think, and I'm going to leave it here and we can discuss it later. I really think he's irredeemable. If they take these three episodes and try and redeem him, I almost want to say it's a cop out. I'd rather see him fall and fall and that's it. Me too. Yes. Oh, oh go, okay, now, go, okay. go dark and just, just do it. Okay. Now, like I said, I didn't, I didn't want to jump More on it Jason here. Yeah, because I, okay, okay, Jason, you know what? that was a really big uh, discussion oh. when that happened in the EU. Okay, yeah. and, and Star I, Wars is a story of redemption. That was the whole, Darth Vader was the the biggest piece of evil that I, well, okay, I shouldn't say the biggest. One of the greatest sources of evil in the galaxy. There are like you can pick any movie. Well, so starting with three onwards, you can pick dozens of moments where Darth Vader is just a terrible, terrible mm-hmm. person. And and we'll probably see it in Rebels too. I mean, it'll probably pop yeah. up there as well. It has to stay consistent. And I don't, and I don't think Episode Six says that. Oh, Darth Vader became good at the end, therefore it was all okay. But I think there is Star Wars is a story that no matter how far you've fallen, there's a you can begin to be to get better. And Darth okay. Vader may not have you know balanced the scales, although killing the Emperor may count. That's debatable. Mm-hmm. But I think Kylo Ren is is the same journey, and I think the magic that we're going to have here, and this is something we almost had in episodes one through six, but because of the ordering, it doesn't work is we get to see Kylo Ren's fall. The, the, the depths that he'll go to presumably I'm going to assume in the next movie. And then on top of that, we get to see, I hope him come back or begin to make that journey back. But why? Okay. I mean, I, I, I understand in the, Jason went, okay. And, and like I said, I, my friend and I at work have had the discussion, and he took it more of the the philosophical religious aspect of this. Because even on somebody's deathbed, you can ask for forgiveness, and at that point in your life, you should be forgiven, and you could basically turn to the light. Okay, mm-hmm. that part I understand. Right. But I, I honestly think at this point, if they do it again, it's almost a. So, I I I say he's uh, unless I. I I, it's just a feeling of mine. If it doesn't end up that way, I'm not going to hate the movie at all. If he is redeemed, that's great. But again, and I'm going to say this as a, a fatherly aspect of this, what I saw on that bridge when the light went out and everything turned red and hot spoiler alert, people Han Solo took that dive. Okay. How can you redeem yourself from that? Yeah, good point. So let me, I want to make one additional point of discussion. Okay. There's, so you're talking about the, you know, the battle of the light side and the dark side. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the message of Star Wars is that the, this battle is not always a physical one. So I don't, so by having Kylo Ren die at the end, what I feel like what that is essentially saying is, Neither, from a moral standpoint, no, neither side really won. The light side mm-hmm. just is is better beating people down and killing people, essentially. And I think it's more powerful to say that the light side had that moral victory because it was able to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, we'll, we'll, we'll have to find out. I'm curious to see where they go, because it's, 
either way, I think it's going to be polarizing, just like we had with Jason Solo originally. Mm-hmm. In oh, for sure. Legacy of the Force. Right. But, but, I, think, but I think he's got to be redeemable. Right? I, 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 regardless, at the end of these movies, I will say this. As long as they keep telling a good story, I will be satisfied and live with the ending. I, I will say that now. You have me on record. So two years, four years, five years, seven years from now, you can come back to this episode and say, Tom, it didn't work out the way you wanted. He was redeemed. You said you could live with it. Okay. I will live up to those words. If I don't, somebody type them up and I'll eat them. Okay. But I just think it's at this point. It, you, you can't turn away from something like that. You really can't. Is he really any worse than Darth Vader, though? Oh, he's not even nearly Darth- as bad as Darth Vader. Well, I feel yeah, like Darth, though, his- Darth Vader never killed his dad. Guys, okay, he's worse than Darth Vader. All right, he, he's going to be worse than Darth, Darth Vader. And I honestly, I don't think he's redeemable. And if they do redeem him, then I think that they are not doing justice to the story. There, you don't have to redeem every dark side character in Star Wars. You just Thank don't you. have to. You right. don't no, I'm have not saying to. they have to redeem him. I'm saying, but is he potentially redeemable? Everybody's potentially redeemable. Everybody mm-hmm. in life is potentially redeemable, but that doesn't mean that they should do it. That's my point. Right. Like, right. I really right. don't think they should. I think for storytelling purposes, they need to keep him on the dark side. I mean, yeah, I it's the same thing as like, oh, let's just cut Darth Maul in half and kill him in the first episode that he's ever in. And you, you know, know what? And, and that's and that's the Teresa, you bring up a very valid point. How many times have they brought back that character? OK, you and that's the one thing about and I'm happy they didn't do it to Phasma. That's the one thing that made me a little bit upset about Maul. They and I've said this many times on this podcast. They promoted him like crazy. He was one and done. It took a cartoon, an animated program, sorry, not cartoon, an animated program to actually bring the character back. Okay. And now he's coming back again. Okay. Is he redeemable? No. Thank you. Darth Maul <laughs> better not be redeemable or my whole purpose of liking he, him. Well, I, I think there's a different discussion here between is someone redeemable versus should, as a, for a story, they redeem the character. Well, and also he's so um, angry, immature, you know, he can't control himself. You know, I I think that um, at this point, let's go into Kylo Ren's head. He's too far in Mm -hmm. like any addiction or anything like that. You you know, you're there's you can't I just got to go a little further into the dark side and everything will be okay. And so mm-hmm. um, he can't, I don't, I don't think he can pull himself out. So I'm going to go in and, and put my vote as no, I don't think they're going to redeem him. And, and I, I, I think, I think you touched on the main thing. Sorry, Teresa, you okay. touched on the main thing. He is too immature. And if I remember correct, reading the books and yes, legends is legends. Technically, although it was stated by Ahsoka, does just because it's legends doesn't mean it's true. But in legends, even Jason Solo was immature, mm-hmm. and look what happened to him. Yeah. So if you look, and Adam Driver's doing a beautiful job with the character. I mean, I loved the little bit I saw on Saturday Night Live. They had him on on uh, Saturday Night where he did the whole thing where he went undercover. I thought that was a scream. <laughs> 
But how he portrayed him in the movie was the same way. You saw that immaturity. You you saw that character, but you saw the conflict inside. Yes, you saw the conflict inside. But he's not, I think, mature enough to pull himself back. And at first when I saw him with his helmet off, that first scene, like his voice is just so cool mm-hmm. and uh, so iconic. And they did a, just like they did with BB-8, making a voice for that character was perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he takes off his helmet, though, I thought they made him look so like young, yeah. and, it, and it offended me at first. I just thought this is stupid, and, and what they're just making him look so you know. But then I got it that that's the point. He is young. He's the kid. He's the rebellious teenager in in a way. I, he's more than uh-huh. that. I think older than that. But um, well, let's say he's a senior in college. I don't know. <laughs> Well, but he's he, I can I feel that um, that young age um, immaturity mm-hmm. from his costuming, too. He's Anakin Skywalker from Attack of the Clones if he had turned dark right at that moment. Yes. And, and I, Thank actually, I, think, yes. I think that is exactly what happened. Right. Because we know that um, we know that he's 29 years old, uh, 29 to 30 in The Force Awakens. Uh, Ray is um, ten years younger than him. So She's nineteen. Plus, yeah, nineteen. Um, so, and, and we know that she is uh, when she's left on Jakku. She's five years old. So that puts him at mm-hmm. fourteen to fifteen when, um, when uh, when Ray is left on Jakku. Now, my theory is that the two events, Ray being left on Jakku and Kylo Ren turning to the dark side, are related. That's my theory. Mm-hmm. If that is the case, that would put Kylo Ren at 14 to 15 and would totally explain why he basically just emotionally did not mature after Mm -hmm. that point. He turned to the dark side, and that's why you can see he throws these temper tantrums. He's Mm -hmm. really immature. um, It's kind of fascinating to see what would happen if this guy had so much power and just stopped and didn't have anyone Mm -hmm. to tell him no anymore and just kind of never progressed. Uh, emotionally makes for great comedy in some cases very true yeah yeah so well then his his opposite to jump over um uh, general hux Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. i do think that that character was cast wrong and i felt that he was um he was too young looking for his role and i wanted more of a tarkin look Mm, for the I general. see what you're saying. And, okay. and when he did his whole, like, Adolf Hitler thing, where he was yelling and this is our power and all that stuff, um, I think he, did, he actually did, pulled it off okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think it came off um, more we, we're young kids with big toys thing, especially with Adam Driver, them placing him looking the young and mature look. I thought that General Hux did the same thing, and I thought that was a little too much, you know, the young guys playing with big toys thing. Was now, that... is that a possibility? So, I'm, I'm sorry, William, but do, do you think that that was a possibility because of th- there's nobody really left within the First Order to exactly. take that kind of command? And 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 General Hux's father uh, was, you know, a big, uh, 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 you know, he, he himself was a general uh, who who started the whole training process um for the mm. this next generation of, of, of stormtroopers way back during the clone wars actually 
And so it makes sense that like you know he's he was kind of born into this. He he grew up you know with with his dad and immediately became a you know rose to the ranks and became a general. I really liked his character quite a bit. I mm-hmm. think uh, I guess I guess we're just gonna disagree on this one. Man. Yeah, uh, I'm getting fired. I can tell. No, 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 no. It's fine. We don't. That's, we don't have to agree on everything. That's what's so great. Yeah. Well, isn't it cool that again? This is what we're talking about about the new Star Wars film. <laughs> you yeah. know, we're not talking about um, droids. <laughs> but uh, no, I I really uh, like Hux. I mean, he he has a a relatively small role. It's, it's kind of funny when we think back to the days when we're like, oh, Hux must you know Donald Gleason must be. Uh, he he's got to be uh, uh, Luke's son, right? Because they look so similar. <laughs> but uh, but no, he, if... he was General Hux, and I I really liked Hux quite a bit. I think um, <laughs> he was definitely young, but he pulled off that young, kind of overconfident, but still very competent leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you want to talk about somebody who was not used a lot, that was. Uh... Captain Phasma, Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn. Yeah. Christy. Christy, thank you. Um, and I have to say one thing. Thank you, people, for making a big promotion about her, really putting her up there, and making sure she survives to the second episode. <laughs> I just hope they do something with the character, because Phasma was everywhere in promotional material. Yeah, and... I got a cup with her on it. <laughs> no, I really think they will. I think coming into episode, uh, episode eight, she is coming back, but I really hope they use her. Well, I think there's really. a couple reasons, right? Right. Uh, her character came about fairly late in the game, um, mm-hmm. and was yeah, she also, was supposed to be a dude. Yeah, and and also was uh, kind of the result of a lot of fan feedback, and so I suspect they just didn't really even have time to work her into a bigger role. Plus, there's mm-hmm. so much going on uh, in the film. There's so oh, much yeah. going on in the film, like. Spending time, as, as great of a character as she is, spending time on her would have been a complete mistake. Mm-hmm. I, so I agree, except the one thing I've seen that I thought would have worked really well is if Captain Phasma is the one who duels Finn on Maz yeah. Kanata. Yes, right. Yeah, that would have been great. I didn't understand but, why that didn't happen. Okay, I know but why it didn't be, happen. Not traitor? <laughs> uh, but, but think, if you, if you read... The Before the Force Awakens book that has that Finn story in there, yes. that is the backstory to that stormtrooper. Yeah. Uh, if you think about, yeah, if you think about back to Star Wars, the Clone Wars, where you had it was Domino Squad. That's how they train the stormtroopers in like uh, four group, uh, four man groups, and that trooper was part of the four man groups. That's why he was able to yell traitor to Finn. Yes. Yeah, you know, the thing is being the girl here and, like, not getting enough Captain Phasma, like, I was, the female fan base is really bummed out about it because it would have been the first really prominent female villain in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And I'm still holding true that I don't think she's dead, so I think she made it out. And I think we'll see her. Unless she falls down a giant tube, she's not dead. No. That's a story. Yeah. Yeah, we can't come back uh, after that. We brought up Finn's squad from Before the Awakening, and this is not necessarily exactly tied to The Force Awakens, but I wanted to bring it up here. Uh, did anybody find it odd that everyone in Finn's squad had a nickname except for Finn? They yes. They all had their trooper designations, yes. but they all had other nicknames like your standard clone troopers, but not Finn. And so when he, he escapes and Poe gives him the name Finn, uh, it felt kind of 
odd. Like, why, 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 why didn't he have a nickname when the other three did? And many other okay, not everybody gets nicknames. Yeah, but but I I would say here's the thing, that was done for the people who didn't read the book like we did. That's how I look at that. So you're you're also I think William, this goes into one of the biggest issues that the Force Awakens has. It's not something that I I should say, I say biggest, but it's not really that big. So we have Finn, this character who's believed in the First Order his whole life. He has a close knit ish squad that he's been working with. Um, or so we think. He's a stormtrooper, and he comes into his battle. He gets cold feet because one of his troop, like one of his friends, dies and smears blood on his face. So he decides he has to leave the First Order, and he immediately decides to start shooting a place up with a Tie Fighter. Right, that was a big flaw. And and then you guess will get you know the scene where, uh, AKA I think it's Nines, uh, faces him. This is his squad mate. And there's no reaction really from Finn that this is someone he knows. And this it this feels really weird. And I think the thing that the Before the Awakening tries to do, and I'm not sure it's super successful, again, I'm still in the middle of reading it, is mm. this idea that Finn doesn't feel like he's part of the First Order, even though he's this amazingly successful stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. And mm. I and I I I don't know. It it still doesn't quite work, but that's the only he state like Phasma mentions that he kind of stays aloof from the rest of his squad and the other troopers, despite doing his job and talking to them and you know leading them. And I think that that's the only thing I can think of that explains why he's able to make this big change so quickly. So yeah, can, I, I think just I think, to, sorry, go David. Well, just to kind of postulate here. So when I saw Finn. And he did the blood on the helmet thing and all that. Um, I took that as, okay, his friend was dying and he's like, you know, forget this. I got to get out of this. Um, but then he goes and, like you said, he shoots up all these stormtroopers. So it's like, wait, so you're killing all the people that you were upset that he, he just died? And so maybe that was really, again, his run instincts because um, the whole – series finn wants to run away except when he wants to go get ray so maybe that's he's just seeing somebody die he doesn't want to die himself and then he goes away and then he um he continues to want to run except when ray's involved and then ray brings him into being the i'm gonna go be the hero and be the savior now i think it's because you know we don't know that the one that leaves the bloody handprint thing on his mask is that it's his friend until you read this book and then you find right. out that it's his friend. Mm-hmm. So I see where you could get that of like, Oh, I know you, you're in my squad. That's sad. And then if you haven't read the book, you would kind of see it, how you're seeing it. But for me, it's more of that's his close friend from his one little training squad. So he's upset about that. And then he takes a look around and says, what am I doing? And knows mm-hmm. that he has to get out. Right. He doesn't know every single stormtrooper. He just knows a small group of them. So when it's time to get out, it's time to get out. And you just got to do whatever you got to do. Survival instinct kicks in, and it's like, whatever, yeah. man, all bets are off. I got to go. I think he hoped, I mean, if I was him, you know, I think, I think what happened is he hoped like he could escape without having to, uh, having to actually fight. Right? He thought they could just sneak out. But because they got caught in that, and the they were, they were tied down, the, the tie was tied down um, with, with that rope, 
And then the stormtroopers all started to fire on them. He had to shoot back or at this point die. Right? Sure. And then later well, and the, on in his story. Go ahead. And then later on, uh, with the 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 trooper that the fans have the same traitor, uh, T R A R. Um <laughs> I honestly believe like or I suspect that that was never intended to be uh, the guy Finn knew uh, mm. from his squad. I don't know. Awakening. Because How else yes, would they recognize not... Finn without right. his helmet? Right. That's uh, not a good they point. probably have posted That's... photos of him all over now. That's actually oh. quite possible. I'll accept that. Star Wars is never... Star Wars story-wise... was on the cover before The Awakening, right? There were the, that style of trooper where he had that, that stun baton. Yeah, but you know, he was just this this guy that this trooper that that people were like, oh, this is this is great, and they're like, oh, let's tie him in and make it even more of a personal fight. I don't think it was ever intended to be a very personal fight, which is why I think going back to Steven's original point that Phasma was not in that place. It wasn't intended to be this big scene. It was it was a tiny little throwaway moment that the fans have picked up on and thought was this huge hilarious thing instead of this um, this throwaway moment. That's, that's well, my I don't suspect, think that uh, Star Wars has ever been very friendly on uh, mourning stormtrooper deaths, just in general. And it's always been kind of just grossed over, and mm-hmm. so or glossed over, excuse me. And so I, I think that's probably really what it is, is, um, you know, sometimes we, as fans, delve too much into this. I felt like it was kind of off-putting at the time. I'm like, whoa, dude, like, what What if that was your buddy, you know, uh, when he's getting out of the hangar? But, you know, it's just move the story along, and, you know, Stormtrooper dies, nobody cares. Yeah. I think now we have to care because they made Finn a Stormtrooper, so I think they made it more personal without meaning to make it more personal. Yeah, that's why it was offensive, I think, at it, it, first when I'm watching it. Like, uh, not offensive, but I mean, like, whoa, whoa, hold on, dude. Kind of like off-putting. Off-putting, thank you. You're welcome. I love that scene with the traitor stormtrooper just because he just, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it really. Just with the weapon he had, he was all like, come and get this. Like, very mm-hmm. wrestling, mm-hmm. like WWE wrestling. <laughs> this is like, ah! And the weapon was <laughs> able to stop a lightsaber. So mm-hmm. I really hope one of these days they explain that because the only other thing that's able but, to stop a lightsaber is the metal that was meant. This is again now a legend, the Mandalorian metal. Right. No, there's two metals actually. So there's Cortosis ore, which is the okay. expanded universe. Uh, I don't call it a metal. I think it's a mineral in the expanded universe. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I could get into this far deeper than I should, but I won't decide. Just, 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 just take the, the two. O- the other one is, is called, uh, I think it's phylum, mm-hmm. uh, it's a ph and a y and mm-hmm. that is what is grievous's magna guards are using and i believe that is canon because uh, the guards do show up in episode three don't they i've recalled oh yeah yeah they're in there yeah oh they're, so, they're definite canon yeah so that's where okay. so the metal has showed up before before the awakening also calls attention to this um when finn's in the armory training um he mentions the other various weapons they train with mm-hmm. and in his instructors mentioned that even some of these weapons are able to block a lightsaber. Yes, and that is true. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. Why would we need to block a lightsaber? All the Jedi are dead. So the First Order tells us. Not necessarily. But, yeah. anyway, that's my very brief explanation. For yeah, that. I think there are, are there a number of weapons that that are kind of like the Z6 riot baton that can, can stop a lightsaber. So mm. it's not too surprising. 
Um, uh, and it actually makes sense that the First Order would develop something because they they know they're oh. they're trying to go after Jedi now. So yeah, right. Absolutely. They would, they would do something like that. Absolutely. Well, I thought one of the the biggest moments that uh, I think should have been different was uh, the last couple scenes with Chewbacca. I felt that uh, I really wanted Chewbacca to hug mm-hmm. Leia when they got back. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like that kind of needed needed to happen to make me feel like the group is, you know, is changing, you know. Yeah. Um, and then also, uh, I kind of wanted Chewbacca. I know he kind of he got angry and all that, but I wanted to see a stormtrooper over his head and then maybe an arm ripped off. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Throw him over the banister. I, I think what you're getting at, you wanted to see him, and I agree with this. Uh, you wanted to see him a little bit more in mourning. Right. Because here he was was supposed to have it's a life debt to Han Solo. And here Uh, it is. Is that that canon? I don't know. Oh, yeah. uh, I always thought it was a life debt. You know what? I I bet we find out with the young Han Solo movie. Yeah, that's definitely true. Well, in any case, they're uh, friends that are with each other for 40, 50 years. Yeah. And this here, is... So here, here's here's what I think on that. Um, I think yes, it, it probably does make sense. Well, let's, let's go in reverse first. Um, seeing Chewie get more frustrated, I think, you know, would have been nice. But we 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 kind of got some of that when he he shoots Kylo Ren. Sure. Uh, I think they just probably didn't have time to showcase enough of that. Um, mm-hmm. That that's that's my my theory at least. Um, you know, and, and we know he, he actually wasn't with Han so, uh, for a while, for, for many years, actually, during while they were, uh, while Han and Leia were happily married. He actually went back to Kashyyyk and kind of lived his own life for a while and then and then came back and joined Han, up with Han later. Did he celebrate Life Day? Um, I'm sure he did many times. Um, I'm sorry. But I'm sorry. In, in any case, I felt like. Um, I, I did want to see more morning. You know, I know I, we saw that. We did get that scene. I kind of, I just wanted, because there was the trio in, uh, you know, yeah. Luke's not there, obviously, but the trio of Han, Leia, and Chewie, and needed to see that. And then also, I think that that nods to um, my theory of, um, or not my theory, uh, the theory, that I think that uh, Han and Leia know who Ray's father is, mm-hmm. uh, and they made a couple mentions to it, like, oh yeah, um, uh, Han mentioned the girl or whatever, you know. So there was a side yeah. conversation. Maybe Maz and Han talked about it, whatnot. So I think they know, but they were not going to be like, hey, by the way, I know we just met. We're running away from these people, but I got to tell you, who your dad is like they're waiting exactly. for the right time. And, and maybe, um, maybe they didn't even feel like it was their their um, right, yeah, their right to right. be able to tell Ray. Well, Right. So then, I, so I kind of think that that was a nod to that when Leia goes and hugs um, Ray because she knows who she is, you know. Um, but right. and and and, and Ray is also, you know, very. You know, she had didn't even know Han for very long, but she's already crushed about his death. And mm-hmm. you know, so I, I think I think Chewie actually knows who Ray is, and he wanted to give Leia that private moment with Ray first. It, and, and, and so I think so, that's what that's what's going on yeah. here. And that yeah. actually, ties I want to touch on something. Discussion. 
about Ray, which we never finished. But Stephen, yeah, yeah, no, sorry, no, I, I'm sorry, sorry. I had I took a fun tangent. Go no, ahead, no, Stephen. I wanted, so well, I want to touch on something there. I noticed this on my second viewing, especially. So we were talking earlier about who Ray's parents are. I'm pretty convinced it's not Han and Leia, since I yeah. didn't wait at the time, because I, right. I think we would have had more reaction. And Leia, who's Han, I know our son turns to the dark side and just blew up, you know, the entire New Republic government, but go get him back. You're his father. Bring him home. I cannot believe that with that sort of sentiment, they would be willing to leave Ray on a desert planet in the middle of nowhere. Especially now, that not being... mentioning anything once she's recovered. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, that being said, um, the other piece I found, I, I do feel like they recognized her, possibly because mm-hmm. of Luke's son. But however it is, there are so many scenes where I, I felt like, you know, Han and Leia reunite. And Han's like, I saw her son. And then it cuts. And I like I can feel it on the tip of my tongue, and then the next scene it, and the next line is, "Oh, and by the way, I saw Ray too." Right. Yes. right. There were happened multiple times in the movie where I'm like, "Okay, I know you want to say it, just go mm. ahead and say it," and I'm absolutely convinced that that will come into play later. Well, yeah. and, and, and the big Chewie definitely knows something. Oh, yeah. definitely. And definitely and, and, and and there's so many moments when you know you Han has these little expressions on his face, like. He knows something's up. Like, um, mm-hmm. there's the moment where uh, he offers Ray a job, right? And he goes like, yep. "Huh?" You know, he has that like, kind of like, you know, puts his tongue in the corner of his mouth type of thing, and goes, "Huh." You With know, so many things in this film that there's so much packed into it that they have that scene uh, makes you feel like that has to be important somehow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, he wouldn't have these little moments, you know, mm-hmm. or like. Um, Maz Kanata asking Han, who's the girl, right? Yeah. There's yeah. so many little things that tell me she she is related to Han, and and Han knows who she is. He just doesn't feel like it's his, uh, you know, like he, right. he's yeah, that it's his right to tell her. Mm-hmm. So and that's also because the... he's probably he's probably her uncle. I think that's what that's what's going on. Right. Well, and, and there's so many. This like, is I the give you a job still. I want to keep you close, but I can't tell you. The water cooler moment uh, that everybody's when they see it, and then they're like, you know, hey, have you seen it yet? Because they don't want any spoilers away. And then they're like, okay, the next question is, uh, who do you think Ray's parents are? Yep. And so, um, watching the films, I was definitely convinced um, Luke was her dad. And then uh, my sister-in-law sent Teresa, actually not the Teresa on this podcast right now, uh, <laughs> sent me a. Um, a link to a Huffington, Huffington Post article um, where they really hashed out the theory of um, her being Obi-Wan's daughter. And um, it is a really good article. I, I don't know if it's the first time the theory was put out. I'm sure it wasn't. But it's by Ben Ostrower. If I, I'm sorry if mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing his name incorrect. Um, and it really, by the end of the art, article, reading it, I was really into it and thinking, yeah, that would be cool. I, I would dig that because I, I think it's the J.J. Abrams effect. He's got to misdirect because it, there's so many obvious points, but then really it could be something else, and that makes it more interesting in the next film, and I think that's great filmmaking, and that's what I would want. So yeah. Now, not, not to throw another monkey wrench into this theory, but I happen to be playing the Disney Infinity game, and I do know that somewhere within the Battle of Jakku, you get to a point to where Ray actually meets... 
Kylo. Oh, I know and, you're and this was a video. That's been debunked. It's not true. That's not real. That's oh, thank you. Debunked. Okay, that's, that's two lines of dialogue okay, thank you. that were spliced together in a weird way. Oh, based on the I haven't yeah. gotten that far yet. <laughs> he says something else completely because I play it too. He says yeah. something else completely and he yeah, says, he's cursing. Okay, thank you. Something thank like uh, curses, and then he says. Um, I think he says "join me," and then he's the, the uh-huh. Nella dialogue says "curses," and those both get played one after the other. So he actually says "join uh-huh. me curses" instead of "join me cousin." So okay, yeah, yeah. Not, okay, not legit. Like I said, I I <laughs> haven't gotten that far yet, but I like the word debunking. I've heard that somewhere before, but um, I will get to that point at some point. But yeah, okay. So I guess that theory's been blown out of the water. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, you know, so I think we brought the Obi Wan theory. I think that's a that's a possibility. I mean, she does have a British accent, uh, which is, I think, the strongest connection. Well, there. and I, I, the only thing, um, if it was any other director, I would say, no, this is just someone stretching. But I, I with J.J. Abrams and this story that he set out, I, I just see it as such a him thing to do to kick off the story like that. And I know it's not him directing the next movie, but I'm just saying, like, that, that just feels like something he would do. And then the Clone Wars did lay the groundwork for some of this with Satine. Yes, right, right. right. Yep. Uh, so it's not outside the realm of possibility that, you know, Obi-Wan other than the age problem. Had a granddaughter. Well, granddaughter, granddaughter excuse me. Yeah, not yeah, her. Be granddaughter, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, 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 and you could there's obviously a and say, well, maybe, huge story that we got to figure out. Right. And you can even combine the theories and say, well, maybe Obi Wan's daughter ends up marrying Luke. And so she's still a Skywalker, but she's also a Kenobi. <laughs> Um, oh god <laughs> wow oh what a tangled web we weave I was going to say a family tree more like a family circle yeah I still go back to the I feel like she has to be a Skywalker because, I, so because I think there's of, a bigger the family lineage Stephen? I think there's a bigger uh, game of foot here and so for example going into this movie the big focus was on the fact that Finn was carrying every trailer had Finn carrying the lightsaber and wielding yes. it. Everything pointing to Finn is the Jedi of the story. Ray was just a junker who's on the planet, you know, kind of implying maybe a Han Solo type character, you know, kind of a scoundrel, someone who just kind of gets swept up in the action. Right. I think Ray's parentage is almost um uh it almost doesn't matter. They'll reveal who it is. It'll probably be Luke's family, and it's going to be nowhere near. It's going to be the distraction for the big reveal for the next movie or the one right. after that one. They right. decide. Like yeah. I, I feel yeah, the I the Darth Vader, I am your father level twist coming, and Ray's entire backstory is meant to just distract you from that. Interesting. Well, and that, like you know that's the that's the same same thought. You know, misdirecting. Um, I, I like that. I like that, Stephen. Like it's just they're they're laying these nice little breadcrumbs in front of us, and I my instinct is to not take those breadcrumbs because why? Yeah. <laughs> what? Right, and, and honestly, like Star Wars has never really been very subtle. Um, you know, you have Darth Vader, where Vader means father. Um, you know, and and while did people did people pick up on it right away? Some did, some didn't. You know, some people thought after leaving New Hope, oh, but they're they're connected in some way. I remember hearing, at least I wasn't around at the time. But uh, you know, um, 
a lot of people were shocked by it, but they, they kind of left hints at that, you know, that they were related a little bit earlier. Um, going even to the Phantom Menace, right, where uh, Mace Windu says, but which one was destroyed? Talking about the Sith, the Master or the Apprentice? And it focuses, the camera focuses right on Palpatine's face. Like, they've never been particularly subtle um, in Star Wars. And oftentimes the obvious answer is indeed the correct one. So, you know, you, maybe you're right. Maybe it's it's not a uh, it's not supposed to be a big reveal. It's not supposed to be a surprise, and they're just I mean, they could be using it as a misdirect. But it's it's hard to say. There's so yeah. many blank spaces around both Luke and Snoke as far as what mm. happened there. That I, my my feeling is there's something big there that's on the same level as oh by the way Kylo Ren is in fact Ben Solo. Yeah. I think my favorite mm-hmm. Snoke thing is the picture I've seen recently of Kanan and Snoke's head kind of all put together. And it's like people are saying, like, Snoke is Kanan. <laughs> <laughs> who who, who yeah, has Snoke is? Circus? Yeah, but didn't Andy Circus come out and say that it's a completely original character? But then again, yeah, that could be J.J. Abrams telling him to do misdirect. I was gonna say, and uh, what was I can't remember his name now. And there is no con in Into Darkness, Star Trek. <laughs> oh yeah, please yeah. no. Well, here's no. the thing. I think that Snoke is Voldemort, and I think that Kylo Ren is Snape. So you know whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so my, my he really favorite... does. He looks like a young Alan Rickman when he takes his helmet off. My favorite uh, Snoke theory. Rest in peace, Mr. Alec, um, Mr. Rickman. Or as I like to call him, Hans Gruber. <laughs> yeah. He did, my, he did pass away recently, so yes, it's... Yes, he did. Uh, yeah. He did. Unfortunately, it's sad. Uh, my, uh, my favorite Snoke theory, and I, my brother and I came up with this. Um, credit to my brother for, for coming up with the, the, the core of the idea, and then we riffed on it together over Christmas. And that's, what if, um, what if Snoke is a completely new character, but he... Uh, maybe it's almost like a Wizard of Oz style thing where you know, he's projecting himself to be larger than life because he actually, in reality, has no power. He maybe has found a bunch of old Sith artifacts and is reading you know, uh, information from it to Kylo and pretending like he can use the Force, making Kylo think he's <laughs> more powerful than he actually is. And behind the scenes, he's just this regular old guy, maybe this small and not very powerful or whatever, trying to manipulate the whole galaxy. So like and General it, Gaston, he's alive. Maybe maybe not Gaston's oh size, but like that that type of maybe he's not like a literal literal miniature character, but mm-hmm. definitely like this this guy who who doesn't uh, you know doesn't really have anything uh, isn't isn't powerful in the Force. Maybe they can't even use the Force at all, and it's just faking it and, and trying to make Kylo think that he he knows more than he actually does, and it's kind of manipulating the galaxy from afar. And maybe maybe he's even told Kylo that he is Plagueis, and that ties in the whole Plagueis rumor, even though mm-hmm. he is not and has no relationship to Plagueis whatsoever. Interesting. I guess I like we'll it. find out at some point. And what about that Mark Hamill acting? Yes. Wow. Five minutes <laughs> on screen, he had the best shocked look on his face you could ever you could ever have. And we talked about this in the, at the end of the last episode, but. You know, Mark Hamill's eyes say so much. He and oh, yeah, Daisy Ridley, that, yeah. that scene at the end, he has no lines in the film, and yet he does such a great job portraying Luke. 
and mm-hmm. realized the last word said in this film was may the force be with you and look how long it took to actually end the film and there was no dialogue after that point yeah, yeah. it was all done with facial expressions and cinematography and i will still say there's a headstone sitting right next to luke skywalker yeah yeah what do you think of uh, of leia underutilized i'd say mm-hmm yeah, I'd have to agree with that too. Well, and and even with um, <laughs> what well, I must say, I feel like um, J.J. Abrams was kind of uh, saying, uh, "Here, what's the next guy's name? Ryan Johnson. Here, Ryan Johnson, you take him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> acting wise, you take him. You know, uh, I think Carrie Fisher looked uh, great. She looked a lot better than she did when we saw her in person in yeah. uh, Celebration." Um, and I think acting wise, she was great. You know, it's a hard deal to do what she did because even she said this at celebration that, uh, she, and she said this before she was kind of British, kind of not. And she was trying to figure out the character as she went more or less. So how can you base a character 30 years later on that? And I think she really did a good job of, um, just being that overall general figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm actually surprised that they. Uh, I don't know. I was gonna say I was surprised that they kept her around as you know, like they they killed off Han instead of killing off Leia or something. But I think she did a great job in the in the film, right? She she mm. definitely looks different, but she still looks very 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 good, very much like Leia. They did, they did a great job there. Um. What what about Han? I mean, this is this is Han's final movie, unfortunately. Well, final and played by Harrison Ford. Uh, hey, I didn't see a body. No one confirmed the death. <laughs> Just because there's a hole through his chest doesn't mean anything. So what Not you're saying is, he's gonna, uh, no, don't do this. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I think he's dead. I'm just... no. no, I do too. Oh yeah, he he he's as the saying goes, he's deader than a doornail. And I think this whole movie was uh, the send off for Han Solo. It was, yeah. it was. He's riding off into the sunset, more or less. The whole thing wrapped around him. He had a ton of stuff in here, but it wasn't focused on him. It was still focused on the really the main characters, obviously. But uh, it was, you know, goodbye Han Solo. This is a great send off. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally agree. Yep. I. Yeah. I think he he was the quintessential Han in this film. He he was like back to his old smuggler ways, uh, scheming and and uh, and swindling people, but also still very lovable. And he was hilarious. I I, uh, I and I love the dynamic between him and Ray and him and Finn and and everyone else. So good. I, I think I think the best thing you can say about it. It's almost like Harrison Ford just stepped right back into the character like he never left. Mm-hmm. And that's what I enjoyed about it because he's, he still was Han Solo up there many years older, but man, he was still Han Solo up there. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it didn't feel like he had changed at all. No, not at all. Well, so. I think we basically covered a lot. We covered an awful lot in this one. I don't know if we've yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, think there's missing, probably more we could discuss. Yeah, there's, there's we're missing a bunch of characters from uh, 
We haven't we've talked about Maz Kanata yet, but I, I like we, we talked about her in the last episode, so we can probably I think uh, so. safely move on. Um, what about the biggest character we haven't discussed? Eloasti. <laughs> no. I, I, like I was having, say, I'm not sure which one. I'm a dead no that, that dies during the. the I liked having uh, an X Wing pilot that X, was yeah. a human. That was cool. I liked him a lot. Oh, yeah, that was cool. It was, it, was, it was a joke. It was a joke. He was a very minor character. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I jumped right on top of that. Uh, <laughs> what about the extra in the third scene that was farthest from the right? That was a cool. Yeah. Baba Joe? <laughs> what about Baba Joe? I mean. <laughs> I have major concerns about him. His head was not high enough to reach Uncar Plutt's uh, counter. I don't know how he sells his stuff. How he can see Uncar Plutt. How does he pick up and, his food? <laughs> He's going to die of starvation out there on Jakku. Anyway. And, and you know something? <laughs> we will be able to walk up to him at Celebration 2017, wherever it's going to be, and say, <laughs> hey, you're the guy, and get some autographs from him. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I think I think it's time to wrap this sucker up. Yeah, yeah but um, overall, I think they did an amazing job with all the characters. Uh, Ray is is by far my favorite of the of the bunch, but uh, they were all absolutely fantastic and yes, can't thank you, good things. thank you to everybody who made this film for making it what it was. Thank you, Lawrence Kasdan. Thank you, J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. And thank you for just giving us a really good story that we have spent so far two episodes discussing at great length. Because, man, it was a great ride. Yeah. And we really enjoyed it. Yep. And, uh, I mean, we could go on for, for many, many, many more hours. but uh, Oh, absolutely. But We're approaching you know. an hour and a half, two hours uh, for this particular episode, so... We'll probably wrap it up here. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and we'll see how it does in the Oscars. Five nominations. Yeah, mm-hmm. six, wasn't it? Six it will. Nominations? Yeah, five. Oh, five, five. Okay. I thought. It'll walk away with something. It, it didn't get Best Picture, unfortunately, but it got. It shouldn't yeah. have. No. Uh, it's not really that type of deal. Yeah. Well, no, it, 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 that's my biggest problem with the Oscars is that movies like this don't get recognized for Best Picture and when they should. This mm. one should not have. Um, with the slate of films that were out there that really did get nominated for Best Picture, I think most of those really do deserve it um, this year. This one, you know, we'll see how the other ones go, but I just don't feel like this one was the Best Picture, nor do I feel like any of the actors really deserve to be nominated in the Best Actor or Actress category. I think it got nominated for what it should have. And they, if it wins, it will prove me wrong on how I feel about the people who vote for the Oscars is that they don't give any props to geek pop culture films. Yeah, so always done that. Mm-hmm. unless it's Avatar. Yeah. Right. Uh, God, please don't. <laughs> oh, God help me. Uh, anyway. Um, uh, um, Teresa, David, thank you guys for, for joining us. Do you want to plug where people can, can find you? They can find me at my house. Please do not put your address on my here. Address. No, la 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 la. <laughs> I'll suggest don't come in without knocking. Please. Uh, uh, no, no, just at David Beal on Twitter. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Of course. You know what, Dave? Anytime. This has been great. 
Yeah, if anybody wants to find what I'm doing, just follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Ice Cold Penguin. Um, there are four podcasts I host right now. Will be five at the end of January, but I can't talk about that yet. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, secrets. Um, but the one I probably want to plug right now is Star Wars Book Rooms because we have some th- we have three amazing interviews coming up as well as some big book reviews and stuff like that. So it's getting it's getting crazy in the book world. Yeah, there's a lot of books to make up for the legends that aren't there anymore. Got to get caught up with everything now. And uh, we will be back this weekend with uh, our review of A Princess on Lothal featuring... Woohoo! Rebels is back. Which I'm really excited about. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very excited. So until next time... Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production of fans by fans and is copyright 2015.